during October, a lot more companies do breast, run breast cancer awareness events. They do a lot more screening. But then that's it. And yes. it doesn't get talked about for another year. And if you think about how a lot of the breast cancers happen, mm. um, a lot of them are caused by um, uh, uh, estrogenic cancers. So are caused by estrogen dominance. And estrogen is kind of your tissue growing hormone. Mm-hmm. Um your body gives you lots of signs and symptoms that you may be estrogen dominant long before you find a lump in your breast. Right. In interrupted cycles in the first instance, so menstrual cycles, in polyps, fibroids, ovarian cysts, tissues that you grow in other parts of your body. Mm-hmm. These are all signs that perhaps your estrogen isn't doing exactly what it should. <laughs> Circling back to the fact that you were saying you were talking about breast cancer awareness uh, month and and um, the fact that, you know, we're we, we usually talk about it the most during that month. You have a very special campaign called Unthink Pink, I think is called. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? I found that very fascinating. And I think that it's it's crucial for us to address women's health all year round and not just that one month and you know create that hype and then just forget about it for the rest of the year well exactly and in fact you've you've effectively summarized actually the overarching message of unthink the pink which is that okay women's health is a bigger topic than a single month or a single day it deserves to be spoken about all year round um why this is important is because um, take breast cancer for example mm-hmm. um, October as breast cancer awareness month has become such a thing that often women will not go for a breast exam outside of October yes and if you ask them did you go for a breast exam this year they say oh I, I missed it in October I'll just go next year instead <laughs> yeah you know which is counterproductive yeah. yes during October a lot more companies do Breast, run breast cancer awareness events they do a lot more screening but then that's it and yes. it doesn't get talked about for another year and if you think about how a lot of the breast cancers happen mm-hmm. um, a lot of them are caused by um, uh, uh, estrogenic cancers so are caused by estrogen dominance and estrogen is kind of your tissue growing hormone mm-hmm. um, your body gives you lots of signs and symptoms that you may be estrogen dominant long before you find a lump in your breast. Right. In interrupted cycles in the first instance, so menstrual cycles, in polyps, fibroids, ovarian cysts, tissues that you grow in other parts of your body. Mm-hmm. These are all signs that perhaps your estrogen isn't doing exactly what it should. Right. And if these things are happening, you should probably be thinking about breast cancer screening and self-exams and just really understanding what's going on in your body and trying to address the estrogen dominance also a lot earlier than maybe 40. Right. If you have a a, a family history of cancer, you should be thinking about breast cancer earlier than 40. Right. Um, And and the, the screens and things that you have to do, again, Apart, quite apart from the fact that they shouldn't be limited to one time in a year, should be more extensive than a breast exam. Right. Because we are we are we are one body. We are a whole person, and the hormones, the chemical messengers that allow our bodies to function, are incredibly complex and intertwined. And it's important to understand what your kind of health baseline looks like. Right. Not just in the context of potentially getting breast cancer yes um so we are running a very active campaign now for the next 12 months with a different kind of campaign partner 
every month, okay. trying to get conversations about women's health into places where they perhaps aren't so much. Yes. So this coming month, um, we're going into labour camps. We're setting up pop-up clinics that not don't just um, do medical checkups, but also uh, run uh, with with a with a, a partner who. Be announced soon, but mm-hmm. um, do fitness classes and distribute um, fresh fruit and vegetables. So it's taking oh, this nice. like holistic, whole person approach. Yeah. Um, in December, we're partnering with the university to bring the cop- topic of women's health to medical students mm-hmm. and to the sort of student body around the UAE. In um, January, we're we have another partner. We're going out to farms and to more rural parts of the right. UAE to talk about women's health and why women's health is important, again, with this very kind of holistic and personalized approach. So we're trying in a uh, in a very active way over the next 12 months to ensure that women's health is a conversation that is yes. had all year round and also everywhere by everybody. If people aren't saying, oh my goodness, not NABDA Health, I am sick of hearing yeah. that name. I am <laughs> sick of talking about women's health. By the end of end of next year, we will not have done our jobs. Yeah, you will not have achieved your goal. We will yes. not have achieved our goal. <laughs> you know, it's just, I think the key takeaway from what you just said is understanding your body. Like as a woman, I feel like that's something that I lack and I lacked from a very early stage. I mean, from the moment I hit puberty, there were so many things that were unanswered. And I think we spoke about this before the show as well. There's so many taboos and there are so many like unspoken of, you know, aspects of a woman's health and a woman's body. And I think growing up in an Arab household, my mom, I mean, bless her. It was just an awkward conversation. She she was never used to that. And I can't blame her for that. And I feel like that's a, that's a lot of what I'm going through right now. A lot of unexplained aspects of my body and my health that I just want to know more about. And I appreciate what you're doing. And I think that just goes into my next question is from the moment a girl hits puberty, there are so many changes and so many things that we don't know about. I mean, I remember going through it all. And until today, there are so many things in my head that I feel like are still unexplained. Like, why did I experience that on that certain day? And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the different phases and the different challenges that women go through from that moment they hit puberty up until menopause. I mean, we don't have to go into details because that's a lot, but I mean, (laughs) if we can just touch on that because I feel like a lot of girls are also afraid to come forward and ask questions in fear of like getting an answer that they might not want to hear or... Yeah, so I think, I mean, even puberty and hitting puberty is kind of a funny concept because there are actually five stages to puberty. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what we think of as puberty is when your period starts, essentially, which is actually stage four. Mm -hmm. So there are three other whole stages that happen. Well, see, I thought that was the first stage. (laughs) There you go. Almost back the last stage. (laughs) Okay. Um, so, So understanding that and understanding you know educating parents as well about the conversations they can be having with their boys and girls Mm -hmm. about the stages of puberty and what's happening and what's appropriate to talk about and what's palatable for the children also to be spoken about at different stages i think um there's a lot of destigmatization to do around um around menstrual periods because um you know they're in many ways things to be celebrated Yes. Uh, the menstrual cycle is like a is it's it's often referred to as the fifth vital sign these days because it gives you a window into what's happening 
in your body often i mean there's a very good reason doctors ask you what was the f- date what's the date of your last period it's like the first question right. often that you'll get asked it's because if you have something like insulin resistance probably the first place you'll see that is in your cycle oh it'll become irregular oh interesting if you have um something like uh polyps or you have any other kind of gynecological issue you'll see it in your cycle first you mm-hmm. might start to experience bleeding between periods um if you understand what your um your moods and your uh, your your sort of strengths do over the course of your cycle you'll be able to see when something is changing mm-hmm. physically that's affecting those mm-hmm. there are better exercises to do at different points in your cycle because um because of the different hormone balances in your body at that different point right. um there's a there's an argument that says you know we should be thinking about how to rebuild workplaces so that they really play to the strengths of women because women have a lot more energy at certain points in yes. their cycle should we be flexing up and down the length of work days so that when you are in a particularly energetic phase of your cycle you work 14 hours and mm-hmm. then when you're going into your period you work four question Less. mark yeah mm-hmm. um there are lots of you know there are lots of things that you can you can think about but um understanding uh what is what is happening with this fifth vital sign is is really crucial and really interesting mm-hmm. also women should be interested in it it's yes. it, women and men should be interested in it there's also an argument that says you know we should be educating boys and girls about puberty in the opposite sex from early on so that the how the human body works and how fertility works not overlaying things around relationships mm-hmm. which is where stuff can get a bit emotional and messy mm-hmm. but just how the human body works anatomically mean would mean that the first time a couple discusses fertility isn't on their wedding night when exactly. suddenly you go from it not being something that is discussed to having to produce a baby in 9 months right you know if people understood how their fertility worked how their bodies worked and also how that was the relevant aspects for the other sex then it would make all of the conversations that will ine- inevitably happen later on in life much easier oh of course yes precisely and then how would you like i would say um for people who are experiencing you know symptoms uh, either during menopause or i want to say before i mean how would you explain that how or how would you help someone ease into that because i feel like a lot of women go through a very tough time when they start to experience those symptoms and going into it yeah psychologically so think, and physically i guess yeah so menopause is a is another interesting one i mean i think um actually uh, with most women the symptoms creep up okay. and then they kind of gather to a peak okay and a lot of women will acknowledge that or think gosh could i be perimenopausal when they have so many different symptoms hitting mm. them in parallel that they can no longer ignore them mm-hmm. but actually you might start to experience firstly there's a there's a uh, a misconception about when perimenopause starts mm-hmm. a lot of women will enter perimenopause in their late 30s it's not something that happens oh. in your late 40s or 50s and it can last 10 to 12 years okay um, so it can be something that you go through from your late 30s right into your early 50s and you might hit menopause which is just one year exactly after your last ever menstrual cycle right um 
in your early 50s. And then symptoms can continue beyond menopause into postmenopause. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's another thing that we never speak about. <laughs> it's another thing that we never speak about. And so I think, again, it's a, it, it's a, it's a period of transition. Mm-hmm. The reason why our logo is five petals is because each petal is meant to represent a hormonal stage in a woman's life. So you have childhood, okay. then you have puberty, which is a kind of ramp up of hormonal activity. Mm-hmm. Then you have normal adulthood, which is a stable 20, 30 years where you are ovulating one or two eggs every cycle in an ideal world. Right. And you are reabsorbing about a thousand. Then you have perimenopause, mm-hmm. which in some ways is a little bit of a mirror image of puberty. Okay. You have a gradual ramp down in hormonal activity, although... Okay. With the prevalence of chronic diseases today, it's more like a roller coaster kind yeah. of ramp down. Yeah. And then you have postmenopause, or what we like to refer to as the second childhood, um, and the moment where women, a lot of women, feel like they are truly free oh, okay. <laughs> for the first time in their lives. Okay. Um, but uh, so, so understanding that these, this is a, uh, these are each phases of the same, I guess, in our case, kind of flower mm-hmm. or life. They are. They are periods that you move through. Your body changes and evolves with each one. Um, they make sense together and mm-hmm. you can make sense of them together as well is a is a really important thing. Um, again, perimenopause is a funny one because of the 35 plus symptoms, if you, if you saw those symptoms, same symptoms in a man, they could be a sign of a really serious life-threatening condition. Wow. Uh, a thyroid malfunction, mm. um, cancer. Mm. Like a lot of the things that women actually live with and experience as normal are things that would be a sign that something has gone seriously wrong yeah. in a man. Um, so supporting women and understanding really how things might feel, what they might feel like. For example, I'm breastfeeding my daughter at the moment, mm-hmm. which means that my prolactin levels are high and my estrogen levels are low, which means that I get hot flushes sometimes, a little bit right. like someone going through perimenopause. And we live in a very hot country. Yes. So a lot of the time you could just feel like, oh, why isn't the AC working? Of course. And you don't realize the extent to which that moment of feeling hot mm-hmm. affects you, but it affects you. Yes. You know, your energy levels drop. A little bit, and and obviously the hot flushes I get are not anywhere near the hot flushes that you women would experience going through perimenopause. But they're yeah. there, and and yeah, I'm I'm very aware of them. Yes. Um. But you know, enabling women to understand and to be thinking like, is this thing that I'm experiencing happening a lot? Mm-hmm. Is it happening every day? Just getting them a little bit more conscious again about what they're baseline looks like from a health perspective and so what abnormal also looks like for them from a health perspective Mm -hmm. is really important yeah no absolutely i think it just goes back to knowing your body paying attention to whatever you're going through and getting the answers i feel like a lot of women would feel the difference if they got all the necessary answers and if they asked questions a bit more openly and i think and if they were heard and if they were heard, and if precisely, they were heard. we did a so we did a survey of about five hundred women, and the thing so we and the last question we asked was if you could change one thing about the healthcare you receive today, what would it be? And it was, um, I wish my doctor would listen to me. Would listen, I feel like my yes. doctor doesn't listen to me? I go in and I say 
how I'm feeling and my doctor dismisses it. Yes. I'm being emotional. I'm being I'm 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 um I'm being a drama queen. Right. I'm flagging um things that aren't relevant. Mm-hmm. It's just normal. Get on with it. I mm-hmm. feel like I don't have a voice. I don't have a voice. Oh my goodness. I you just you you honestly like touched on the right point because we had a a psychologist on the show who spoke about postpartum and that is one of the main issues that women deal with postpartum is that they are told oh you'll be fine or um, it's okay just pick yourself up I mean if she could pick herself up she would have done it trust <laughs> <Yeah>. me <laughs> like, it yeah, doesn't take good at that exactly <laughs> exactly and even if she could pick herself up there are still underlying you know, um, challenges that she's going through and, and that she has no explanation for. And she do, she doesn't need you to tell her that, you know, oh, just get over it. Or you're being dramatic. Like if she's laying in bed for hours and she can't get herself up, there is something there. That's a red flag. So just listen to her. And it's not just the doctors. I was going to add it's the partners as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of women have complained about not being heard by their family family members, their partners, or their doctors. And um, I think that's something that we're, we're lacking, and I think that's... Uh, it's something we have to change. Yes, for sure. absolutely. I think one of the things that really isn't picked up on is, so we did a survey of 400 women in the UAE with one of our partners, Rise Birth Center, mm-hmm. and the prevalence of postpartum depression, so this isn't baby blues, it's yes. PPD, is, uh, mm-hmm. was 56% in women and 30% in men. So what you don't realize is that often you might have a partner who in their head is thinking, I want to support Mm -hmm. my wife with her baby, but is also incapable of doing so. Of course. So you really need support that again. um, And I think you you see the gaps immediately postpartum as well. Mm -hmm. The mother's first and only priority is her baby. Right. You know, she will think of herself in every instance lost. Oh, You yes. have to forcibly get her to do stuff like shower and change mm-hmm. her clothes and have a decent meal and make time for herself and, and, and. So if you want to do one thing for a family postpartum, take care of the mother. Because if yes. you take care of the mother, she will take care of her baby. Yes, absolutely. And this is something that partners forget that healthcare providers also forget mm-hmm. you know even if you give birth in a really excellent you know midwifery led facility here um, the instant that that baby is out the mother is forgotten about yes you know when I gave birth to my last um, baby uh, I was desperate to get some sleep she, she just wouldn't settle you know she was oh. waking every 30 minutes every 60 minutes and I was like I just need to sleep for 45 minutes uninterrupted knowing that the baby's okay they wouldn't come and take her there was like there was no one to watch her we can't leave her in reception like nobody would come oh. and just wheel her around a corridor for 45 minutes so that I can sleep right they refused and this was in one of the most supposedly like mum and baby friendly hospitals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because they're worried about breastfeeding and they say the baby's got to be there and available to breastfeed it's like the baby's fed the baby's yeah. done nothing but feed <laughs> yes please like you've got to listen to me as yes. the mother and hear what i need yes and 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 then you can advise me on on what needs to be done for of my course, baby but yes, yes in a lot of things in a lot of places in a lot of countries and a lot of instances and a lot of times mothers are just 
forgotten about and forgotten about yeah absolutely absolutely and you you did mention something that i also wanted to add is that oftentimes you know men are also forgotten when it comes to um care and and attention because on the flip side sometimes the men feel like oh i shouldn't be complaining she's been through so much and i just don't, i don't want to be unfair because i mentioned that you know sometimes the men forget about the mothers but it's also uh, i yeah, mean the same applies the exactly I mean, arguably we're forgetting about fathers by not having shared parental leave exactly you know, how can we expect mothers to share caregiving obligations and to how can we relieve mothers of some of those caregiving obligations if men only get a couple of weeks if they're lucky leave if they're if, lucky if they're lucky some get days some get days mm-hmm. um that, i mean who who do you give the baby to <laughs> exactly absolutely <laughs> um absolutely. how how do you also you know in those in those very critical early days really establish as a couple what your routine looks like you know how do you learn together about how to look after a new baby and mm-hmm. then a toddler and then a child yes you know if only one parent is forever present mm-hmm it can't happen it exactly. physically can't happen it's just yeah. um so yeah it's important again in the same way we spoke about fertility and understanding that sometimes to relieve the burden on women the stuff you do has nothing to do with women and everything yes. to do with men yes with fertility it's understanding that you need to test and check men in the same breath that you test and check women yeah absolutely with parenting it's giving men the freedom to parent responsibly as women are also free to parent responsibly it's Precisely. always a two-way conversation mm-hmm. um, there are always two sides to the coin sophie we're going to have you back but before we let you go <laughs> i just want to ask one last question if you were sitting in a room right now filled with women of all ages what would your advice be just one takeaway one golden advice oh that's a good one yeah. um, and it's actually on your wall yeah. <laughs> is ask why like the one thing that i think people stop doing and we do it as children very naturally is mm-hmm. asking why and we accept the things that people tell us as gospel and that extends to the things that we accept about our body mm-hmm. you know a lot of women get told oh you know bleeding is a is a normal side effect of for example hormonal contraception it's normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't worry about it they stop asking about it gynecological cancers get detected late mm-hmm. you know women are lying in bed they can't get out of bed they're told it's normal they stop asking why they don't deal with issue i think my my one piece of advice to all women regardless of age is never stop asking why i love it Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you very very much for, you know, sharing your time with us. I know we have such a busy schedule and <laughs> we were just uh talking about it before the show, but we really appreciate it and we want to have you back. So, whenever you have the opportunity, please come back and um answer some of the whys <laughs> that yeah, we may get. It would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. And if anyone has any questions, please send them through to podcast@golfnews.com. If we do get a bunch of questions we will definitely have you back for a Q&A. Okay. Thank you. Sounds good.